You're listening to Podcast PXN, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Let's do this. What's up, guys? Welcome to Podcast PXN, episode 30. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Prindle, a.k.a. Dan is DTM on Twitter, and I am joined by no one this week. That's right. Uh, Sean is not joining me this week, uh, and moving forward... Uh, until this whole COVID-19 crisis kind of calms down, he will be on the sidelines uh, up in Ohio. He'll be isolated there. Uh, obviously, we didn't want to infect each other or if one of us got it or whatever, don't want that to happen. So uh, I'll be going solo, at least for the foreseeable future. So I uh, just wanted to make sure you guys were aware of that. Uh, just as a reminder, I am live each and every Wednesday. Uh, you can catch me on YouTube, Podcast PXN, and you will find me on there. Uh, I'm going to have a great show this week, guys, because uh, today we are going to talk about the explosion of Mario games that were kind of leaked, uh, some re-releases that are coming up, as well as a new game as well. Uh, but first... The show always starts with the PXN News of the Week, so let's go ahead and jump right in. First item on the PXN News of the Week is Remedy has announced that they have signed a deal with Epic Games to publish their next two unannounced multi-platform games. So this is very exciting because Remedy, obviously, they just recently made Control last fall. Really good game, got Game of the Year for many people. Uh, it is a really, really good game, and I know uh, some people weren't as high on the new DLC that came out, uh, especially those that didn't want it to be an exclusive to one platform. Talking about myself. Uh, so uh, this is very exciting news, though. Uh, Remedy, obviously, I love everything they've done. Alan Wake, Quantum Break, um, you know, and, and Control as well. Everything they've made, I've always enjoyed, so... I'm 100% on board for this. Epic Games has a ton of money, so they are definitely a good publisher for them to team up with. Uh, and it's interesting because Epic Games is now going into many more uh, publishing scenarios where they're funding more games and uh, becoming more of that publisher as well as developer because obviously they are the developer of the well-regarded Fortnite. Uh, so that kind of blew up a couple years ago. So that's uh that's kind of exciting they also actually epic also announced that uh they were going to be the publisher for play dead's next game uh which play dead if you remember they are the developer of uh uh, uh inside which was the xbox one exclusive for one month and then it came to ps4 uh but uh is a really cool stylistic experience um that that people really enjoyed and they also made Limbo on the Xbox 360 uh, XBLA days, Xbox Live Arcade. Uh, that was also a really stylized experience, and it was really good as well. So very excited to see what uh, Play Dead does next. And I know everything they've shown thus far, uh, they kind of... I kind of coined this term of like outside. So their last game was inside. They've showed some screenshots of this game. It could be called in outside because they've shown a lot of uh, scenery uh, pictures and screenshots and stuff like that. Uh, but obviously we'll be uh, waiting to see what, what they announce uh, moving forward for them. So our next item is uh, Bioshock Collection, Borderlands Collection, and XCOM 2 Collections are all coming to the N Nintendo Switch on May 29th. 
this is very good news. Uh, Nintendo had a little bit of a kind of a, a mini Nintendo Direct. Uh, they had some port announcements, and those were among them. Uh, this is good news for people who haven't played these games. Um, I'm just not sure how many people haven't already played Bioshock Collection, uh, Borderlands, Borderlands Collection, or XCOM uh, that haven't already wanted to play those experiences. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to play X, XCOM, most people are going to play that on PC because it's more like a strategy-type experience. I know I know people play it on console, but it's kind of more known as like a PC experience, uh, if that makes sense. The other thing is, is uh, Borderlands and Bioshock Collections, those have been out for years. I mean, man, gosh, that was early this generation that uh, both of those came out. So like 2014 times, something like that. So, like, six years, you think people haven't played that? I don't know. Uh, will this actually help the Switch? Uh, I'm not sure about that either because, uh, to be honest, Nintendo's in an interesting position because this fall, the, the Nintendo Switch becomes the least powerful console uh, by an insane margin. And they were already the least powerful anyways, but they were at least close enough to Xbox One and PS4 to where developers could you know port stuff to it uh after releasing it on those platforms but i'm kind of concerned moving forward what happens after this fall as we talked about on this podcast before what are they going to do with third parties come this fall uh are they are third parties still going to want to make content for the nintendo switch being the least powerful console i i don't know if they will to be honest um so that'll be interesting to keep our eye on there uh, the other thing we got from Nintendo was uh, the next Smash Brothers DLC is confirmed that the fighter will be uh, coming from ARMS. So this isn't, <laughs> I know if Sean was here right now, he would be eye rolling right now because uh, I really don't think this is necessarily good move for them. Obviously, it's good that it's not another Fire Emblem character. We've had so many of those already in Smash, um, but arms i don't know that arms really got the excitement that you know nintendo wanted people to have for it i don't know uh there's not really iconic characters that i would think of coming from arms so uh i feel like it's kind of be like a, a splatoon situation where they just kind of fill in like the generic arms character which is ugh, that's kind of boring like people don't want to see me fighters and and you know um arms characters or or whatnot that's kind of bland they want characters that are unique uh that have unique abilities like solid snake and mario and luigi and uh, bowser and they all have different play styles and princess peach we just want more variety and uh to be honest the roster for super smash brothers ultimate is already insane they already have so many characters in there but to me it's kind of a it's kind of a slap to the face to the players to give them something like this as opposed to giving them something crazier. You know, uh, Smash Brothers Ultimate was such a very ambitious goal for them to combine every character of every Smash game and for them to just pull in a character, generic character from ARMS feels a little bit half-baked for me personally. Um, so next up, we're going to talk about the, or I'm going to talk about, I keep saying we, like there's multiple people here. It's just me. Uh, I'm going to talk about the uh, reviews for Half-Life Alex, uh, Doom Eternal, and Resident Evil 3 remake reviews, which are starting to trickle in. Uh, that doesn't come out until Friday, I believe. But, 
yeah, those are starting to trickle in as well. Uh, Half-Life Alex right now is sitting at a 93 on Metacritic. So I was already intrigued by this game before the reviews came out, just based on like how people were talking about it and, and saying like how excited they were to play it in the previews and everything. And these reviews kind of confirm that, saying that this is the experience that you need to play on VR if you have one. And uh, the fact that people that are playing on PlayStation VR can't play this is super upsetting because I know PlayStation VR has a very big install base and that would be such a good experience for them to get into. But uh, I don't know if Valve will necessarily do that just because it drives people away from their platform. If they do, I don't see why it would hurt them uh, to get more people playing their game. But uh, yeah, Half-Life Alex looks super, super cool. I've never been into Half-Life myself personally, but this game has me intrigued, especially with me owning a Quest now. Uh, I can plug in my Quest with the, uh, with the Link, the Oculus Link cable into my PC and play any like standard PC game, VR game as well. Uh, so I, man, the only thing I struggle with, and I talked to one of my friends about this, Ian, uh, the only thing I struggle with is that I don't know anything about the history of Half-Life. And even he said like, yeah, you should probably go back and play the other Half-Life games before you go into playing this. So I'm kind of struggling with that, uh, trying to decide if I want to, you know, go back and play the older games before jumping into Alex. But, uh, it's definitely doing very well, so that is definitely a welcome surprise for it to actually um, come through and for Valve to actually be back making great games. Uh, Doom Eternal, uh, great reviews for that as well. I've seen a lot of people say it's better than Doom 2016, which I agree with. Uh, it has a lot of depth in its combat. Uh, I love how it has different combat or um, ability trees, so... Uh, like there's one ability tree that you can choose like abilities that help you in your environment or with your suit or whatnot and you spend points there but then there's also upgrades for each individual weapon too so you can uh, add attachments to your main weapons that you can unlock as you progress through the game and uh, you get different abilities unlocked and that let me just tell you that is definitely needed by the end of the game the last mission was absolutely insane. Like that mission was really, really hard, but it was a lot of fun uh, without spoiling anything. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the second to last mission, ironically, I thought it was going to be the last mission of the game and it was super easy, like easy, the easiest boss fight by far in the entire game. Uh, so uh, yeah, overall Doom Eternal, fantastic. Uh, it's doing well in reviews, and also I've enjoyed playing it personally uh, myself. Uh, I actually beat it as well over the weekend. Uh, I guess I won't talk about this in games we're playing since I'm kind of going into it now, but uh, I'm very excited uh, to play um, more from that universe if they continue making games. So uh, that kind of does it for Doom Eternal. Uh, Resident Evil 3 Remake Reviews. So this is interesting. Uh, so I know a few outlets for Resident Evil 3 Remake had rated it very highly. I know IGN, Game Informer, and some of the others had reviewed it very highly. And that got me very excited for it. Uh, some, some outlets strangely had it very low rated, like 3 out of 5s. And I, I saw some like 70s and 60s, which I thought was odd until one of my friends 
told me, because uh, I haven't played Resident Evil 3, the original, he said that it was very divisive in its, in of itself, uh, of its time, uh, that the campaign's very short. Uh, it's like a six-hour experience versus like a 10 to 12-hour experience that Resident Evil 2 remake was. So while I can see people's complaints on there, I'm still all in. If this is just as good as Resident Evil 2 remake, which every indication we've seen it looks like it's it's just as good as Resident Evil 2 Remake, and the tension uh, that mounts when you have Nemesis chasing after you. Again, I was going to talk about this in games we're playing, but I might as well talk about it now. Uh, Nemesis, when he chases you in the demo, I've played the demo, it's like a 20-minute demo. When he chases you, it's the most terrifying thing because he's faster than you, and you can't you can't necessarily like just outrun him. You have to actually like use strategy and say, Hey, if I go through these doors, make a couple turns, go around this way, then go through these doors, then come out. I might be safe, but even then he still might jump over the building and be right in front of you. Like it is very terrifying based on the demo that I played in so far. The demo is absolutely everything I expected it to be. And uh, very much in the same vein as Resident Evil 2 Remake. So I'm very excited to play that on Friday when it when it actually uh, releases to everyone. So uh, definitely keep your eye out for that. So moving on, uh, there is another Splinter Cell mission that is coming to Ghost Recon. So if you remember Ghost Recon Wildlands um, a couple years ago, one or two years ago, released a Sam Fisher mission that brought back Michael Ironside as Sam Fisher, and they had you go on a mission with uh, Sam Fisher, a uh, Splinter Cell-esque mission, and uh, that that has now returned for Ghost Recon Breakpoint as they have in, uh, introduced their own Splinter Cell mission, including Sam Fisher. And uh, this news just makes me pissed off. Ubisoft, give us a new Splinter Cell. I mean, come on. Everyone has been clamoring for a new Splinter Cell since 2013 when Splinter Cell Blacklist came out right before the new gen consoles came out. Everyone has been clamoring for one. Where is it, Ubisoft? Stop teasing us with this DLC, including Sam Fisher, and just make us a new Splinter Cell game. Please, for the love of God. We just want, we just want more Sam Fisher in an actual Splinter Cell game. Uh, so yeah, that was not, that was not exciting news for me personally, because I, I just want a new Splinter Cell. That's all. I've said it a million times. I just want it. Um, speaking of Doom Eternal from earlier, uh, Doom Eternal has been announced to be the largest opening weekend of the entire franchise in terms of sales. So this is very, very, very good indicator for the future of the franchise, obviously, uh, id, continue, id Software continues to show that they are masters of their engine, the id Tech engine, and that game is as beautiful as ever, and uh, I know I was one of the people that were concerned about id after John Carmack, who founded id Software, after he left, because John Carmack is a technical genius, like he is literally a technical genius, he left uh, right after Doom 2016 shipped, I think, uh, he left Bethesda, um, or rather id Software, 
and uh, joined Facebook uh, to work on Oculus because Oculus was then purchased by uh, by Facebook. So um, that man is a technical genius. So I was just concerned about the technical prowess of Doom Eternal uh, just because his mind was no longer there. I was concerned, are they going to be able to like uh, hold up to their 2016 Doom standards? And they definitely did. They held up to those standards and then some. They delivered even more than what I expected them to, to deliver. So that was very exciting to see as well. Um, so that's uh, that kind of that's kind of it for Doom Eternal. But uh, Bethesda, speaking of Bethesda, they announced today actually Pete Hines, the head of Bethesda uh, Publishing, they announced that they are no longer having a press conference for E3 this year. So this sucks. Uh as you all know, I've talked about this before. I love making my predictions for E3 every year. So I was still thinking in my the back of my head, I was like, all right, so Ubisoft's already announced they're going to still have a presentation online, of course, um, with this COVID-19 deal going on. Uh, and Microsoft's already announced they're going to have an event, a digital event at some point. So I'm like, okay, I can still do predictions. Uh, they just won't necessarily be E3 predictions, but then... Now Bethesda, again, they're saying they're not having an event. They're just going to slowly trickle out their news over the next, you know, few months or whatever, what have you. Um, so that kind of sucks. Uh, I was really looking forward to still doing that because um, I know there's a lot of studios that they have working on some exciting stuff. Bethesda Game Studios in particular, Todd Howard's team, they should be showing something from uh, Starfield at least somewhat soon. Because uh, they didn't, remember, they didn't actually develop Fallout 76. That was developed by Bethesda uh, uh, Austin, I believe. Uh, it was a new division of Bethesda Game Studios. But, uh, yeah, man, it's just another victim to this awful virus situation we have going on right now. So that kind of sucks that we won't get a E3 uh, conference, digital conference from Bethesda. Uh Moving on, Sony has announced that they are slowing down their PS4 download speeds in the U.S. Uh, in order to help alleviate the networks uh, for the COVID-19 situation. Obviously, a lot of people are working from home right now. There's a lot of video conferencing going on, uh, so it's stressing the internet infrastructure that is around the U.S. Uh, so Sony announced this. Interestingly enough, though, uh, I've done a lot of research on this, and um, it's actually, <laughs> it's actually laughable how little video games actually contribute to, uh, uh, to internet bandwidth in the United States. Like video games are a tiny amount of data compared to the Netflixes of the world, Amazon instant videos of the world, um, you know, Vudu, all the streaming video services, because you have to think, you're not streaming your game across the internet. You're just streaming your data. So like when you're playing an online game like Fortnite, you're just basically uh, your internet is for you to send out your position in the world, uh, what you're doing in the world and such stuff like that. You're not streaming in like graphics and, and, and you know, sound and all this other stuff that goes along with video streaming like Netflix has. And the other thing is they have like 4K services, which are, that's an insane amount of bandwidth that 4K takes up. So to me, it doesn't really make sense for Sony to have to do this because 
it's only a very small margin uh, compared to the overall internet infrastructure. And I get it, every little bit counts. Um, but to me personally, uh, I would more gear my gear my hand towards those streaming services and saying, hey, you guys need to lower your streaming quality to 720p or something like that. Do things to make them slow down their connection because they are the ones that are, are hogging all of that bandwidth. Games aren't doing that. The only one you could argue that's doing that is Stadia because Stadia is streaming all of that stuff over the internet because it, you don't have a physical box that your games are playing on. You're playing from the cloud. So that's the only one, the only game service that you could actually uh, claim is actually doing that. So I don't know. That, that just kind of miffed me a little bit because I was like, really, Sony? That's not really going to do much. Like that's literally a drop in the bucket compared to the, you know, terabytes pentabytes of data that um you know streaming services have out there so uh i just thought that was interesting uh moving on both sony and microsoft have kind of on the record said that they're still anticipating their next gen consoles both uh xbox series x and playstation 5 to be on track for release this fall this is good news for everyone in the industry. However, I hope this doesn't mean that we have a large uh, shortage problem. I know we've talked about this a couple times already, uh, but I really hope that doesn't contribute to a shortage. Uh, if And again, as soon as you see those pre-orders go live, you better put your pre-order in because we don't know. We don't know what those numbers are going to be. Yes, they're saying it's not delayed right now, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be shortages uh, especially with the situation in China, what it was for so long. Uh, I know it's getting better now, but man, you have to think that had some kind of impact on their supply line. But they're claiming as of right now, they are both still on track to release this fall. So that's exciting, at least. Um, uh, in a story that's not really that surprising uh gamestop has announced that they are closing 320 stores in 2020 not surprising at all uh this isn't related to covid19 whatsoever even though some gamestops uh, around the united states were trying to claim themselves as essential services and they were trying to remain open there for a little bit now they've since closed but uh, they were trying to stay open under that and people, eh, you can't do that. You're not an essential service GameStop. There's, there's online stores that people can play video games and download video games from. So, uh, for them to say that it's kind of silly, but this isn't related to that. Uh, this is just them saying they're projecting to close 320 stores because of their declining sales. Uh, I think it's an inevitability that GameStop will be gone. Uh, it's just a matter of when, not if. Uh, I think they will be there long enough to make it through the launch of this generation of consoles that's coming up, but I don't see them lasting very long, to be honest. I see them lasting maybe, maybe like a year after the next-gen consoles came out. come out. I really think that GameStop is going to be bankrupt by fall 2021 because they're just in such a bad spot financially and with the way that the game's landscape is going everything's going all digital so people aren't really uh clamoring to go out and wait in line at gamestop to get the next release they're just waiting online so uh i definitely 
fall 2021 is the latest that I think uh, GameStop will remain in business. I do not think they will be around for much longer. So, uh, moving on, Modern Warfare 2 Remastered uh, campaign only, not multiplayer, uh, has been announced and released on PS4 only. This pisses me off. So, there were some leaks last week about this. And I got really excited about it because Modern Warfare 2 has one of my favorite campaigns in the entire Call of Duty uh, franchise. So I was excited to play this. And then the announcement came on Tuesday from Call of Duty's Twitter account that said basically that this is a PS4 exclusive for a month that everyone else can play April 30th. And ugh. It just rubs me the wrong way. I do not like stuff like this. Activision is known for doing stupid stuff like this because they love money. Sony obviously is going to throw whatever money they can at them to get whatever exclusives they can. Just like Microsoft would do the same thing if they ha- they're in the position to do that. Uh, but gosh, it's just such a terrible Brit business practice. There's so many better ways you can do exclusivity like some skins or something like that, that would be fine. But in an entire campaign, an entire game is exclusive for a month. That That is a very bad taste in my mouth. I cannot stand awful consumer decisions like this. It's just, it baffles me how Activision continues to make terrible decisions like this, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, this isn't going to affect you if you're on PS4, but uh, if you're on PC or Xbox, you got to wait another month so it's kind of upsetting so moving on uh xbox series x controllers are revealed to be using batteries or rechargeable battery packs so very exactly the same way as the xbox one controllers are now you can use batteries regular double a batteries or rechargeable double a batteries or you can use the official uh rechargeable battery packs which is what i personally use so I've seen a lot of people arguing back back and forth about this online. Like some people think that uh, internal battery is better where you can't change it and you just charge it with your cable or whatever. And some people like the batteries. Well, in my opinion, this is the best situation because you give yourself the flexibility to use batteries if you need to. Uh, but you also give yourself the ability to use the rechargeable battery pack, which is the exact same rechargeable battery pack that's in the PlayStation controllers that are built into the controller. It's just they're removable. So in my opinion, that's a big deal because if you have controllers lasting two, three, four years, if you have them lasting that long, you can't replace that battery in an, an internal battery. So your battery life, battery life, as you may or may not know, degrades over time. You see it in your cell phone. You see it in all kinds of devices. Your batteries only last so long. Like, batteries degrade. So, for me personally, I would rather have the option to pull that battery out and replace it with a different rechargeable battery uh, so that I have a perfect battery life controller again. I don't want to get a battery... Because I'll give you an example... My original launch PS4 controller, it literally gets like 30 to an, thirty minutes to an hour of gameplay before I have to charge it again. Uh, and that's at full charge because that battery is so worn out. It's been, what, seven years since launch. 
it's so worn out at this point that uh, it no longer holds a complete charge because that's what happens with batteries. And, you know, I can't replace that battery because it's an internal battery. There's nowhere for me to replace it. So it's kind of upsetting because that controller is in perfect condition because I don't really play my PS4 as much as I play my Xbox. And so that controller is still in fantastic condition, but I can't really use it because it's not feasible. I don't want to have to change my or plug in my controller after 30 minutes to an hour of playing. So for me personally, this just makes the most sense for everyone because you you have the option to do either way. I don't understand the hatred towards it because... Uh, from the people that are the internal camp because you can still use a rechargeable battery pack that's no different it's literally no different you plug your con your controller in using the charging cable it's no different it's just it's not internal um so for me personally i think that's the best decision so enough about controllers controllers and batteries so Moving on to the final news story of the week uh, before I go into the games we're playing, which I've already kind of divulged a couple of those. Uh, so my final news story is Randy Pitchford is still a giant douchebag. Yes, that is my story. Uh, so today there is a news story that came out broken by Jason Schreier from Kotaku, of course. He breaks tons of video game news. Uh from his sources, uh, despite huge sales, Borderlands 3 developers are getting stiffed on Borderlands 3 uh, profits so and bonuses. Uh, so apparently, uh, this is just an awful uh, situation because Randy Pitchford took a $12 million bonus from the company when Borderlands 3 started development in 2016. Think about that. $12 million he just took. Like, nobody, God, nobody appreciates the people that actually makes the games. And for me, Randy Pitchford is one of the biggest hypocrites in the entire entire industry. He talks about how he loves his studio, but then he does stuff like this. It's absolutely unacceptable. And Randy Pitchford, you need to pay your employees what you promised. He prop, according to this report, there are numerous people coming forward from Gearbox saying, they were promised $50,000 to $100,000 worth of bonuses from Borderlands 3 sales. And let's just, let's just preface this with this. Borderlands 3 is the highest selling Borderlands game in the entire franchise by far. So this game did very, very well, yet they aren't getting the bonuses that they deserve because apparently management mismanaged the game and you know have more resources tied up into it he claimed more more employees and more overhead and all of this well in my opinion mismanagement doesn't you know absolve you of having to pay your dues to your employees you promised hundred thousand dollars to all of your employees and bonuses you should pay those people it's completely unacceptable for you to say you're going to do something and not do it. So to me, this is just another chapter in the epic saga of how much of a douchebag Randy Pitchford is. And no, I'm not afraid to say that. I hope he watches this. I did send this link to him uh, when I was talking to him on Twitter about something else that I thought was annoying and he responded. So I sent him, I sent him my podcast. I was like, you should check out my podcast, Randy. I hope he does because, man, I literally can't stand the man. 
he does sh more shady stuff than anyone in the entire industry. And I, quite frankly, I'm tired of it. So I call him out every single time and I will continue to do that. So moving on to the games we are playing or I am playing, uh, Doom Eternal, I already talked about uh, in the in the news story, so I'm not going to rehash myself there. Love the game. Resident Evil 3 Remake Demo, again, I talked about in the news. I'm not going to rehash myself again there. Uh, absolutely loved it. Super terrifying. Uh, so the last thing I wanted to talk about in games we're playing, the Resident Evil Resistance uh, Beta, which is actually, that's the game that's packaged in with uh, Resident Evil 3 Remake. Uh, so this is the beta that's going on right now and it's a multiplayer experience that's going to be, uh, tied into it. So, uh, this multiplayer experience is interesting. It's, it definitely takes some inspiration from stuff like Left 4 Dead and, you know, survival experiences such as that and kind of 4v1 experiences like Evolve and stuff like that. But, uh, I think it does suffer a little bit. I think it suffers a little bit in terms of survivors. So when you play as the survivors, it isn't as fun as playing as the um, overseer or whatever you call it. It's not overseer. What's the name? I don't know. The overarching character. So the overarching character gets to place zombies and traps and uh, turrets and all kinds of stuff to help like stop the survivors from getting to the end of the level. Um, it's super interesting because you switch between the cameras to kind of uh, get different viewpoints in the level so that you can position yourself in order to um, place down zombies or place down turrets or, or place down traps or dogs or what, what have you uh, in order to stop those survivors. So this is super cool because it kind of takes some strategy to kind of place these things in order to succeed. Uh, it's a ton of fun. I really enjoyed playing as the the one person that's overseeing the whole level. Uh, playing as the survivors, though, it does it does need some work. Um, just because when you're playing when you're running around as the survivors, you need a lot of teamwork. And when people in the game aren't on the same page, uh, which I experienced many times. Uh, it was very difficult to get to the end of the level. I know we struggled mightily many, many times because we just had no communication. There was no communication whatsoever in the entire uh, game. So that was kind of frustrating uh, to have that. But uh, man, I just, I just want to have a solid experience. That's all I'm asking for from that. A solid experience and to be honest, if they can if they can just tweak some things with that, I don't think they're going to be able to do it by Friday because they just released it this past Friday, the demo. So I, I don't think they'll be able to do it by then. But uh, if they could just tweak a few things and maybe just have that feel a little better, that might improve the uh, value for buying Resident Evil 3 Remake because I know people were upset about it only being six-hour campaign. So maybe this will help with that. I don't know. Um, just an idea there. But um, moving on to the final news story, uh, not final news story, <laughs> to the topic of the show, not the, I'm, I'm on the news still, uh, to the topic of the show. So the topic of the show is Nintendo is planning Super Mario re-releases and remasters to celebrate Super Mario Brothers 35th anniversary. So this is very, very excited. 
So according to multiple sources, uh, Nintendo is planning to hold an event to coincide with this year's anniversary, which marks the 35th year since the start of the mainline Super Mario series. So this is awesome. What they're talking about here is essentially every 3D Mario game that has come out uh, since then is all going to be packaged in one package and remastered and re-released this is exciting they're include this is pure rumor right now so uh don't hold me to this but the rumor is is that there's going to be remasters of uh super mario 64 super mario sunshine and super mario galaxy all packaged in one package all remastered for switch this would be freaking awesome so I would be super down for this because I never played Sunshine and I never played Galaxy. I honestly, Galaxy's the one I really want to play because uh, that I know is really well regarded and is like one of the highest rated Mario games of all time. So I'm really excited if that actually comes to fruition to check that out. Um, and also, obviously, to revisit Super Mario 64, that would be amazing as well. And even to check out Sunshine, depending on the remaster, I. I really hope that the remaster isn't just like them up-resing it or whatever. Uh, I hope they really touch every aspect of the game, kind of like a Resident Evil 2 remake, Resident Evil 3 remake uh, style, where you're just retouching the entire game and rebuilding it from scratch. I would absolutely love that. Uh, Or build the games in the uh, Mario Odyssey engine. That would be amazing Um, because that game is absolutely gorgeous on Switch. So I, I would love that as well. Apparently, there's a lot of uh, 2D Mario games that will be getting uh, released on the uh, Nintendo Online service as well for for Switch. So we'll be getting a ton of those as well. So that's uh, that's all exciting. They plan. The rumor is is that they plan to have every single Mario game of the 35 year history included on Switch in some capacity, whether it's this remaster collection or a port or um you know or uh, available in nintendo switch online etc so and the other one they mentioned was mario 3d world that came out on wii u uh having that a deluxe version of that re-released on switch as well as like a port essentially similar to what they did for uh, donkey kong tropical freeze as well as uh, some other wii u games they ported over like mario kart 8 as well so um that's very exciting as well but uh the last thing that they also um kind of leaked out was they're building a brand new installment in the paper mario uh series as well for 2020 so i never played part the original paper mario but i know a lot of people really like that game so that's very exciting as well uh, the more, the merrier, to be honest with you. I love the variety that Nintendo comes up with with Mario, and I feel like every iteration of Mario is always different. You know, uh, some of the uh, Legend of Zelda stuff can sometimes, you know, um, can sometimes, like, mix together or uh, bleed together, so to speak. 
uh, where there's so similar experiences that you don't really see any, any big differences. But with Mario, I feel like every iteration of Mario, there's always something big that changes. So like Odyssey had the big feature where you could throw your hat on everything and that changed your gameplay substantially. Um, Mario 64 was a huge revolution because it was the first 3d mario game it was such a big revolution at the time so that was exciting mario galaxy you had all these galaxies to explore so that was exciting so i feel like they do such a good job with that that i'm really really excited to see what they can do with mario uh a sequel to mario paper mario rather uh in 2020 as well as all these other remasters and uh kind of a conglomeration of every mario that's ever released so very excited for all of those uh thank you guys for coming out live i appreciate it i know this has been a bit of a uh <laughs> a wreck of a show because i'm by myself but i'm gonna do my best to do these by myself each week until this whole crisis uh calms down but uh yeah appreciate you guys checking it out remember you can join us every wednesday live on youtube just search podcast pxn uh thank you guys for joining me again and much love and keep on gaming.